Hello and welcome to the Alternative Podcast. Uh, we've got Graham back with us today from Grimerica. Uh, I'll leave all of his details in the description below, as I do with all guests. Uh, hiya, Graham. Thanks for coming back on the show. Yeah, thanks. Good to see you guys again. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll jump straight in. We want to start at the very beginning. So when we last spoke, there was a lot of different theories, thoughts, and I guess knowledge that you had, which we, me and Aaron discussed for a long time after we had our conversation. So yeah, let's just delve right in. We want to start at the beginning. So what, what is your theory or understanding of how humanity started? Like where did we come from? What, what's going on there? Yeah. I don't know how much knowledge I have. I mean, I, you know, I, we have researchers on the show and stuff and I'm sort of more of a host, but I mean, I can, I can speculate a little bit. I mean, I just don't think it's it's what we're sort of taught. You know, I I don't think um, I I struggle between sort of the theosophical look uh, of view of it, um, which is more about like these uh, that hum- there's different races, like there's a spiritual race and another sort of animal race, and then we come to sort of more intelligent man. It seems like there's these cycles of of races not races, species almost, you know, like it's the way sort of life evolves. <clears throat> and then we'll get to a point where like we were sort of, I think their their theory is we were sort of one sex before and then we became two sexes. And then, you know, we're moving into like the, I think it's the fifth sort of the fifth cycle. I don't know about that compared to more of like an ET sort of uh, interventional uh, DNA modification type thing. Like we have, Bruce, actually, Bruce Fenton. I don't know if you guys know him. He's he's from the UK. I think he's from the UK. Uh, he talks about this event that happened eight hundred thousand years ago. Um, that was uh, happens to correspond with uh, the tektite fields in in different parts of the world, uh, Moldavite and and these tektites that fell. And he he thinks there was some sort of. Uh, sort of ET ship explosion over Earth, like almost like a war. That's sort of corresponds to us being modified as well. And it seems like there's some, there's some mainstream science that kind of backs up that our, 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 you know, our, our history keeps going back further and further and further. Now it's like three, officially it's three or 400,000 years, you know, before it was a hundred thousand and it was 200. Now it's three or 400. And it seems to be getting closer to what some alternative researchers like Bruce Fenton, Fenton say was really like a, a real turning point in, in humanity where we kind of got uh, got um, modified to become the modern human that we are, I guess. But it's interesting that even the nine, even the uh, mainstream scientists believe that there was nine types of, what what's the word, hominid? I don't know. It's, uh, there's nine, like there's Homo florensis, like the hobbits basically is an accepted, an accepted sort of species, not us, not exactly us, but something different. So now there's nine different types, the Denisovans and the Neanderthals and the Cro-Magnon. And then, so, you know, I just, I think, uh, I think it's more of a hybridization type thing. Like we had this other guy on called, uh, what was his name now? And he was a, he was a big hybrid guy. He believed in hybrid. Like, I think he thinks that we're, we come from like pigs, pigs and chimps. We're hybrids of pigs and chimps. You know, that's getting pretty, pretty out there. But, but he thinks that it's not really evolution. Like, like they say it is, it's more hybridization. Yeah. I've never heard the theory that we've come from pigs before. That's a, uh, 
But as you say, our organs are very similar to pigs' organs, right? Yeah, there's some real weird, creepy similarities. Yeah. Right, because that guy got the transplant, right? The heart transplant. Heart from transplant. The yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. I think he. The I other aspect he died, is it? Yeah, I, I think, think he would survive by like six months. Wow. I think it takes us a long time to to process pork as well, which kind of is is another sort of interesting thing. Like it, the the mo the hardest thing we have to digest, I think, is pork. And then it kind of, when you look at some some religions, I think Judaism and Islam, they both don't eat pork. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. <clears throat> So I guess my, I don't, you know, I don't know like where, where we began and all that, but I, I just don't think it's what we say. I think it's, uh, it's open for interpretation. I think we've, I, I'm starting to think that um, all this ET disclosure that's happening is almost more about, and why we've been, why the history has been suppressed about, about giants and about ancient advanced civilizations, whether it's, you know, Egypt or Central America or South America, like all that stuff is, they're, they kind of don't want us looking into all that. I mean, you can tell by how Graham Hancock was was attacked uh, when he put when he came out with his his last Netflix series, right? He's called a white supremacist and all this stuff. And and again, and even just mentioning theosophy, they'll they'll turn that into some race thing, but when it, which it wasn't, you know. But I think that what's happening is the government's. This is my sort of pet theory now that I'm sort of coming up up with. And and I guess I've heard it before, maybe in the in the early '90s, but the the governments had some sort of intervention. I mean, they were practicing with like occultism back then before the CIA was created. Like, it, it, I'm going to recommend a podcast here from the Brothers of the Serpent and Marty Garza, who's a friend of mine. But he really puts this uh, this stuff about UFOs and the occult and and the and the secret uh, government programs together, kind of in a really interesting way. Because they were playing around with this stuff back in the 30s, and and the Nazis were playing around with it too. I mean, there's a spiritual connection with with what's uh, what the governments have been learning over the last 100, 150 years. So, my sense is that they played around and they realized it was real. They're like, "Holy shit, it's real!" Then the modern sort of UFO thing happens, and I mean, there's some really interesting parts about what. Uh, what people like uh, Jack Parsons and and L. Ron Hubbard were doing, summoning the whore of Babylon in the desert and stuff like that. But and they were part of this rocketry, modern rocketry club. So what I think happens is is that the government started finding out the reality is just way crazier than they thought. Like my my pet theory is that they realized like there's all these ETs, there's all this demons and angels, there's the occult and the spiritual influences plus ETs, and it's it's so much more, we're almost more like, I, I think they realize that we are more like an experiment or being, being monitored constantly, you know, over thousands of years, and that they can't let us figure this stuff out. And then the campaign of fear and the media and all this stuff, like the CIA basically said, we'll know our job is completed when everything the American public believes is false, or that quote, whatever that quote was that is... Uh, I probably got some of it wrong, but it basically means that they just, they want to just hide it, everything from us. Right. <clears throat> so I don't think that humanity was ready back then for the the way reality is structured. And um, I think it kind of leaks out as we come along. And, and uh, now this disclosure thing is, 
bringing it to light? Like how, how is the phenomena itself going to, going to respond to accelerated disclosure? Like people, because I believe that we have power in our minds and our thoughts are, our thoughts are things. We are powerful beings and they don't want us to think that they want us to be like, we're just like worker slaves. They don't want us to think we have any autonomy over our reality. So how does the phenomena react? If that's true, and the phenomena is based on some kind of consciousness. How does it react to more people believing? Because because whether whatever whatever's happening with this disclosure, more people. I have friends that were never into this stuff. They're like, "Hey, UFOs are real. Like things are like there's almost like a, a deeper reality here that people are believing in." So how is the phenomena going to react to more people believing in it? You know. So that's sort of I'm going all over the place, but that podcast you got to listen to. There's three parts of it. And Marty Garza has kind of written an essay type thing and, and Russ from Brothers of the Serpent reads it out and they discuss it. And he gets into the, like the, you know, the, the occult stuff that the government was doing, the early UFO stuff. I mean, he sort of puts it all together, but not in a real opinionated way. He just throws out all the stuff that's happened in a, in a timeline. And it's really mind boggling. It's called the, the, the spookiest story and spooky as in CIA spook, I believe the spookiest story never told never told on the brothers of the serpent podcast and it's really got me got me thinking because i was i just narrated this book also about early 1950s so it's called the the, the saucers are real by donald kehoe and kehoe was on nicap one of the first ufo organizations that that came about uh in 1950 52 or 53 i think and and the the amount of evidence that they had back then not even including Roswell, like Roswell was like a, an, uh, I think it was in Donald Keogh's book. It was um, just like a different case. It wasn't called Roswell. They called it something by the border. Like it was a, a desert crash by the border. There was a couple of times they mentioned, I thought that's Roswell that they're pointing to, but, but there was so much evidence of flying saucers and Kehoe went over it all. And, and I don't think this is disinformation. I, it seemed legit that he was like trying to explain it away by all these other things. And it just, there was no other explanation except for non-human intelligence back then, you know, and of course other researchers came around later on and said, well, it's more about consciousness and interdimensional stuff. It's not just ETs from other planets, but it just shows that we're living in sort of a greater reality. And it's been going on a lot longer than we thought. When was the first like, known sighting of a UFO? Well, it goes back thousands of years. That's the thing, right? It goes. It, it's like now they're looking at all these religious texts and they're re reinterpreting ancient scriptures. And I mean, the Vimanas were in the the Vedas. They, I mean, they go back to now. All the you know people are seeing like, hey, that wasn't about uh, maybe an angel. It was about a UFO back in the back in the. So I think it's like thousands of years old. So I think we've been interacting with these other non-human intelligences for so long. And, and now it's, I think it's, it's finally, I think what happened is in the late 1800s, this was growing like spiritualism and at least in, in America and maybe some of the West. I mean, cause a lot of other cultures already believe all this stuff, right? I mean, India and, and even probably China and, and uh, Indonesia, like a lot of other cultures are just that they know there's a greater spiritual reality or they believe that all along, but it's the West that's kind of, been through the enlightenment and they've ignored, they've tried to ignore that spiritual reality. So in the late 1800s, spiritualism and, and theosophy was huge. People were 
it was there was politicians involved in the stuff. There was seances all over. There was people making contact with all kinds of stuff. There was a real sort of push against materialism and the science that happened, the scientism that was happening. And of course, against dogmatic religion, like the Catholic church, but that all got squashed. I think that was really gaining steam and it all got squashed. I think in the, in the, in the early 1900s, when they got rid of ether, when they came up with quantum mechanics and Einstein stuff and, then war, World War One really kind of redrew the maps and kind of reset, reset the world and became more materialistic. So, but but now we're coming out of that again. I think we're coming out of that, and people are realizing that there's more to to reality. But just to tie back to the whole, the whole start of humanity is, and I think that's why there's like the. the Humanity, even the start of it, is more spiritual than we think. Well, we weren't just evolved from sludge into humans, and like eventually from apes to humans. I think there's more of a spiritual reality. We've we've gained sort of consciousness along the way somewhere through through intervention, probably. Well, it's funny that you say. Um, well, when you look at the theory of there's been nine different species of human, do you think? Or, I mean, you can't say yes or no, I, I understand that, but it's possible that we are an experiment and they keep getting the experiment wrong. So they keep, I don't know, adding a little bit more powder into the uh, into the pot and trying to sort of perfect what they are trying to trying to make. Yeah. Or they or they got it right. I mean, look at what look at what we built like 20,000, 30,000 years ago. I mean, look at what they look at the ancients. I mean, look at Egypt and look at the. Uh, some of the stuff like the Serapium. I mean, there's, there's some marvels that are unbelievable that we, and they, and what were they, what were they, what did they say? We did it six, like what's the mainstream explanation for some of these things, five, 6,000 years ago, six, 4,000 years ago. But when you look d deeper into it, it seems like it's way longer ago. So at some point in our past, we were, let's just assume that that's, you know, that's true. Like that, that the, the people that advocate for advanced ancient civilization are right that there's something pre younger Dryas flood. So back 15, 20,000, 30,000 years ago, there was advanced humans with some sort of technology, making these megalithic structures, for example, and tunneling all over. There's tunnels all over the place that were made long, long time ago. Well, there's those ones in Turkey, isn't there? I think they'll be 20 to 30,000 years old. Yeah. So, and some people say those are connected to Scotland. And I mean, there's, what were they hiding from back then? You know, I mean, I don't forget there was all the megalithic monsters. I mean, that's another mainstream thing that was, uh, or I shouldn't say monsters, I mean, animals. But I mean, if you look at some of the megalithic creatures that were around back then, you know, the saber-toothed tigers and the short-nosed uh, short bear was massive, like 12 feet high, like massive, massive. Um, and they're all, they're all, uh, they were all wiped out during the cataclysm. I mean, dire beavers, dire wolves. I mean, massive, uh, massive. What was the other one that there's a uh, massive armadillo like thing? I mean, like fucking crazy, crazy creatures. Like you meet a short nosed bear. It's, it puts a grizzly to shame. I mean, these things are twice the size of a grizzly. Yeah. 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 So what's your opinion around dinosaurs? I don't know. I don't know. I, <laughs> I hear all these people. Have you heard about the, the conspiracies about dinosaurs at all? I've heard a few recently, yeah, which are leading me to yeah, question they everything. They don't exist or whatever? Or... Yeah. There's, yeah, there's loads of them. I think one of the conspiracies that I was listening to was saying 
dinosaur the, the bones of dinosaurs aren't actually from the reptiles they're actually from giants but they've just reconstructed them to make us believe that they are from the reptiles yeah i heard that one too i, I don't get it i i i don't really um yeah i don't really fall for the dinosaur the dinosaur thing is hard for me to 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 wrap my head around you know how they could do why why they would want to just hide the dinosaur stuff from this or i don't know it just seems weird yeah but it falls into the bigger conspiracy conspiracy of um when you look at um not children's toys or children's clothing it's all either space dinosaurs and these are the sort of things which have the biggest conspiracies around them now and it's all the stuff that sort of stuff down the uh the throats of kids from a really young age and they're saying that it's could be seen as just constant manipulation to force children to believe all this stuff is true whereas when you're at a certain level and you just start questioning everything you just see the red flag straightly that's interesting yeah that's really interesting i've never thought about it like that yeah yeah they're like the two main um sort of components what's so what's your thoughts around because obviously you've mentioned there that the west went super like anti-spiritual uh that that that, the the tide is turning there because more and more people are sick of the routine crap and they understand that there's more to to life than just working in the box and just watching crap on tv but then when you look at uh ancient hinduism and even hinduism today it's still got a lot of spirituality which has sort of kept kept it alive around that that sort of uh area of the world what how important of a role do you think hinduism has played um in ancient civilization oh i think massive i think they're i think they're the ones that uh they're the ones that are closest to the truth i think in a lot of ways you know the ancient texts like you talking about the vedas and stuff like some yeah, really yeah. ancient texts going back yeah i mean i think they're i they might have even been sort of further back than we think you know pre pre-egyptian type stuff or or at least as far back as, as that yeah i i think that that's um I think that's fascinating. I mean, I think they were on to a science back then that uh, we're coming to coming to realize is uh, is real now. Like, I don't know if you guys did. Did we talk about it last time, or have you guys heard about this Malcolm Bendall technology that's based on some of the the Vedic kind of ancient ancient yeah. cultures? Yeah, you pulled up the diagram. It's blowing yeah, up so at the moment. Yeah. Since we've talked, they've done testing and stuff, and they, and yeah. it seems to be working, right? So, yeah, well, Randall's been on a few different podcasts. I know he's been on yeah. Concrete, which I watched. Yeah, right. He's been on it twice, right? He came on it again yesterday. I've not watched the, the one yesterday. Was he on it again yesterday? Yeah. Oh, really? It's Concrete. J- what? What's his? What's his name again? Is it uh, Jason uh, something or no? Um, Danny. Danny something Danny. maybe. Danny. Oh, is Dan- is that the same podcast? Because I I watched one with Randall to prepare for something else. And it was with Danny Jones, maybe Danny Jones. Yeah, Danny Jones. That's con- that's that, the concrete. Is that host. concrete? Is that the same thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a host of concrete. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Because I just saw it as Danny Jones, and I thought concrete was another one. Okay. Yeah, because he was on it oh, yeah. two weeks ago, and then okay. Ben Van Kerwick, I can't pronounce it. Yeah. Came ben back up, and then them them two did a joint one. Uh, oh, today it got released today. They did oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Okay, I saw somebody link that. Yeah, so I mean, that's what that's what we're talking about. I don't know if Randall gets into that this time, or they talk more about the ancient stuff that 
you know, but, but it sure is fascinating. So it's fascinating that it works and it's fascinating that the guy who invented this and one of the other guys that's, his name is, um, uh, okay, it'll, it'll come to me, but the gist of it is, and this is me kind of getting all crazy and speculating and stuff, but they've had spiritual experiences, right? Like both of them have had these weird spiritual experiences and they've been connected to a greater source, you know? They're getting their information from, let's say, the field or the source or the 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 ether, whatever it is. They're connected to it. It's not like they're working it all out in, in a traditional scientific way. I think that's why it's hard for people to not accept, right? It's like they can build something that works, but they don't necessarily know why from a Newtonian or an Einsteinian way how it works. Yeah, it's because our educational system is so restricted that everyone's sort of taught this linear path of education. And then you come out of it into the real world. And if you even doubt anything that you've learned and you even go off track for a second, everyone just labels you as a crazy person. Exactly. Bob Greenier is the other guy. And Bob Greenier had the, you know, and I, and I almost trust these guys more because they've had these spiritual experiences because they're opening up and talking about them. It's funny, but I trust that information more than coming from a materialist scientist who's got, he, who says that, dark matter exists or the black holes or the age of the universe, which has already doubled again. I mean, all these scientific realities that end up being wrong in the end anyways. Because how do you ever account for everything? You know, it's, you just can't. It's like these models of climate change or these model, other models, they you can never account for all the information. Yeah, because, well, yeah, if you look at the, uh, I think we did talk about premiums last time he was on, but if you look at that sort of, them buildings and and just the way of life from any of these ancient civilizations you can't imagine that they'll be going and living off the same system or even their system anywhere close to the system we're working off right now we're, we've we've taken a turn somewhere and we've progressed down the route i don't know if i mentioned it last time or it might be on a different podcast but in the science science community or the, the, the science industry um it's all built really backwards so whatever theory like Einstein had, that's like the found or them sort of past scientists had, that's like the foundation level of science. And from that point on, people have only built up from there rather than taking any other paths because, yeah, I mean, the science industry is crazy because if anyone at all does dabble from the foundations that have already been set by them scientists, they are just labeled like conspiracy theorists. Look at Graham Hancock. I know he's not a scientist, but I mean, he's doing better work than this. Yeah, straight away, like, um, last time we spoke about what Malcolm Bendel and Randall Carlson are doing, we put a clip on our YouTube channel, and we've had comments of people saying, oh, we hate pseudoscience. And it's just like, they label it straight away as pseudoscience. So when people see it, see the video, they'll just write off the video completely. But science should be there for things to be proven wrong and things to be proven right. People should be arguing about whether it's right or wrong and trying to prove theories that prove that it's right or prove that it's wrong not oh it's pseudoscience i'm not going to deal with it because we're too arrogant to deal with it yeah if you have evidence of something and it doesn't fit into the mold then it doesn't mean that the evidence is wrong it means the mold is wrong i mean that's the it's it's charles fort was also dealing with this from a charles fort uh we've got some audiobooks from him too but from an astronomical he was really pushing back against astronomy as well because they kept like they would ignore stuff because it doesn't fit into their current model, right? Instead of changing the model, they would just ignore the, all the evidence. Oh, that doesn't exist because, you know, 
our model says it shouldn't exist. Well, it's, it's, it's like what you're saying. That's backward science, right? It's like it just because Einstein, it doesn't fit into the Einsteinian model doesn't mean it's not real. This means you got to relook at the model. I mean, yeah, but it's but it's 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 out there. It's making headway and it'll it'll show these people that claim it's pseudoscience. I mean, even Randall's last newsletter, he was just like, yeah, for all these idiots that are trying to debunk it, like, look at, you know, what's really happening instead of just claiming that it's that it's not going to work. Because there's people have um, created, made this invention in their back gardens using the techniques that Malcolm Bendel's come up with. How can, but modern science can't explain how it works. Yeah, exactly. Because then they'd have to admit that alchemy is real. Yeah, which will just dis- I mean, really, it will like, discredit so much of their current work. That's what oh yeah, I mean it, it's so past, like it's so far beyond that. Right? They'd have to admit that modern alchemy is real, like they're transmuting molecules. I mean, you know. That's just way past like they, what they want to even consider. Do you think this technology is going to come into the mainstream, or do you think? It yeah, will it's going to have to. I mean, I well, I don't know if it's the mainstream, but it'll it'll be used. It's already going to start being used, so it it'll be there. But I don't know. I can't really picture how it'll be accepted or not. I mean, I think they might do. They might still try and take it down. They'll say it's dangerous or something. I mean, I'm sure there'll be pushback, but I just don't know if. I think the cat might be out of the bag now. They might not be able to put it back in. So enough people have the plans. Enough people are working on it. Uh, it's already shown through a number of tests that is working. So it might already be too far out there. Mm. I can already see the headlines of um, ancient technology uh, contributes to climate change. Yeah, exactly. And they'll, they'll just t- totally do an opposite thing, right? They'll they'll ignore the evidence and say it's contributing to climate change instead of the opposite, you know, even though it's getting rid of all the... Uh, all the bad gases, the supposedly bad gases, right? So this technology works on sacred geometry. Yeah, well, that's what it's based Can you explain what sacred geometry is? Well, probably not. I mean, that's kind of up to Randall and those guys to explain it. But I mean, I, I guess what I would say is that it, that it's all connected. Like the it's the foundation of everything, right? The numbers, the geometry. And when you look back to the ancient wisdom, like the... The ancient, ancient, like, uh, you know, Pythagoras and even um, Hermes Trismegistus and all, they would say that geometry is the number one science. Like, everything else is based around that. So they knew was the foundation of everything, this geometry. But when it, when they call it sacred geometry, I, I don't really know how to explain this, except that, it, that it's all, it connects everything together kind of, right? Like, they, they can see that the the distance from the sun and the distance from the moon and the sizes and, the you know, whether it's the shape of the pyramid, all this stuff is kind of connected um, through this sort of, this geometry. And this is what they used to build the pyramids because the pyramids, like, exactly... Is it below or lines up exactly with the stars? Is it North Star? Yeah, the, the or Orion. They say it lines Orange up with Orion, but it also correspond. It also, what's the right word to use? Correlates or corresponds to the the the, the size of the Earth. Like it's you know you can calculate the pyramid based on the size of the Earth, and it's got some other a whole bunch of other strange things. So it's just hard, you you know you just can't say that that's all coincidence or a chance, you know, that all these numbers line up like that. But Randall's got a great sacred geometry course, and it really is mind-blowing when you get into it. It really is. It really is mind-blowing. So 
the principles that Malcolm used, because he's followed Randall's work too, and and he, he are are based on this. You know, there's there's certain just like the cathedrals and some of the ancient structures that were built were based on some of these geometries. So, what, yeah. What do you fast. believe? How do I structure this question? Why why do you believe it's declined? So why have we declined? Why is this knowledge now gone? Sort of. Why do which we... uh, which knowledge like the like the the ancient let's say the ancient Hindu knowledge like the Vedics and stuff or yeah I mean even the, with the geometry as well like why why are we not using the knowledge that the ancient civilizations use yeah that's the big question I mean that's that that also I think the same answer to that is the answer for why the world is still at war right now you know like I feel like it's the same. Now, whether that's a darker spiritual force, which a lot of our guests have said, like, and, and these these are people I trust that have looked into this for decades and decades, and they think there is something more to it than than just materialism sort of going down the technological path that that automatically will ignore that kind of uh, ancient wisdom. I think it's it could be more of like a uh, like an archonic force or something that's that's sort of leading us down that that road you know i don't i don't know though i i just it's the more i the more i sort of read and learn about the stuff the less i know honestly like, yeah it's, it's, that it's, is so true it's you very, go open very, one door and there's about 17 yeah. more doors in front of you because it's hard to know if it was just intentional or like just uh not sort of not intentional but you start doing the scientific method and you need to see the results and and you get stuck in that paradigm of like i need to be able to measure this result and then does that just happen sort of automatically? Like, is that part of our natural development that we go down that path and forget about this, the spiritual stuff, or is it more um, done on purpose, you know? And I think, I think I tend to think it was done on purpose. I just don't know who's responsible because even the Catholic church and the, and the, the religions would ignore a lot of that stuff too. Right. I mean, mm, yeah, 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 yeah. But then, yeah, when you just look at, look at life around you, I mean, Hollywood's the prime example, right? You can just see so much, so much sort of dark forces within Hollywood. Um, and it, it kind of like puts it into perspective that there is something at play. Um, cause me and Aaron went down the rabbit holes of going down there and then sooner or later, you just like, shit, I need to get out of this. It's not, it's not a nice place to be down here. But when you actually look at it through a bit more of a fresh, fresh lens, I guess with a fresh head, then you can actually see it's quite plain and obvious that there are dark forces at play. Yeah, it's really it it really makes you wonder how overt the satanic symbolism is just for example in Hollywood and all that. I mean, it really you're like, "Well, why are they why are you doing all that then? Why are you making your music videos look like uh, you know, hell?" <laughs> you know? I mean, it's right there in in front of us. So they they are kind of yeah, what doesn't help that they're they're using all this real kind of nasty symbolism. And it is, it is everywhere at the moment in pop culture. You can just turn any movie or if you put a music channel on, you're 100% guaranteed to see some kind of evil. Yeah. Some Baphomet symbolism or, but I also don't know, like, I also don't really prescribe to like these things being inherently evil as well. Like I, I still don't know where I land on that because it's, it's all how you use the stuff. Like, you know, Lucifer was looked at so differently in the early 1900s and the late 1800s than it is now, I think. I mean, they, I don't think they were 
for example, uh, I think Blavatsky's newsletter was called Lucifer or something. Right? Like she named it Lucifer, and then uh, Lucis Trust got got made by I think it was uh, Alice Bailey when she split off from Theosophy. So now Theosophy gets painted with this whole bad brush about about being Luciferian, but they, but their definitions of that wasn't just evil, right? They had a different perspective of evil and good. Mm. Yeah. It's like Brandon, when he came on our podcast, I don't know if you know, Brandon Thomas, Thomas from Expanding yeah. Reality, you, you've been yeah. on there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. When, when me and Aaron were talking with him, he, he stopped us and was like, well, what is good and evil? Like that's just something we've made up. It's actually doesn't exist. So when you're looking at these people in Hollywood and saying, oh, they're evil, are they, or are they just using the wisdom, the sort of alchemy? What, what, what are they using the forces that are out there? And we're just seeing it as evil because they're, that's the label we've put on it. But are they just using what everyone else would use? Yeah. Cause they, I mean, any, they would call a lot of stuff, black magic, even, even the, even the occultists, because occultists never used to mean dark, evil. It used to just mean hidden, right? So the occultists, sort of the spiritual, the deeper sort of spiritual mystics and the, the spiritualists that that would look into all this stuff and 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 practice all this stuff. But it wasn't dark back then. But um, but they, where was I going with that? With um, what did you mention before that? Oh, Malcolm's. So so they would the the darkness and the evil. So they would um they would think that even like new thought would be black magic, like manifesting stuff would be black magic in a way. So, but now those occultists are looked at as dark when they were like, be careful what you do. Like Blavatsky would warn everybody, don't even do yoga and meditation and all these like spiritual practices until you're initiated. Like you need to know what you're doing before you go into any of this stuff. Cause they knew sort of how dangerous it was. And yet all that's been flipped on its head and now they call the occultists evil and dark, and then everybody now everybody's practicing all this all this other chaos magic and new age stuff and Wicca and other, which is which is fine, but it's uh, it makes me wonder about good and evil. Like Malcolm, and then I, so then I flip flop between sort of that sort of nuanced view of it to what Malcolm Bendall says is good and evil, which I really like. It's like. Are you empowered or disempowered? If you're disempowering people, you're evil. If you're empowering people, you're good. Like that's his real basic definition, which is kind of where I was going with it too. Like, you know, if, if you're trying to force me to do something, I that 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 could be considered evil, right? I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, like maybe that's maybe that's causing kind of, harm to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe that's the de the way the definition needs to go, because using like calling symbolism evil is 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 not helping i don't think or calling a whole group of people evil is not helping like it depends on their intention it depends on whether they're empowering you or not you know if somebody practices wicca but they're helping or they're not disempowering you like why is that evil yeah i guess that brings us well it kind of relates to what christianity teaches with the bible i know it's been interpreted in a certain way but when you sort of Go back to the root of the Bible. It is literally just do good to others. Yeah, yeah. And yet they'll and yet they'll burn witches at the stake, right? I mean, that's the that's the, that's the, and the Inquisition. I mean, the and the residential schools. I mean, that's the problem. Is that the churches themselves got so far away from the actual message? 
I mean, they were they were they were hunting down the the real Christians, the ones that would just worship Christ without the church. I mean, that was that was one of the worst heresies. Yeah, it brings us to what you were saying earlier about is it just human nature to go down this route of, I guess it's greed in a sense because the churches have turned to greed to get funds because you see some of the churches that are out there now and they're beautiful buildings. I've seen that there's a modern one that's been put up. Uh, close by to where I am, and you wouldn't know it's a you wouldn't know it's a church. It looks like a beautiful modern building. You wouldn't look at it and think anything to do with God or Christianity. You just think you just look at it and think of money. That's a very rich business, but then it turns out it's a church. <laughs> so I don't know if that's intentional or or or, or part of our regular, let's say, uh, evolution or our societal evolution or whatever. I I feel like it's influenced. You know, I. I I think I lean towards some sort of darker influence. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, they do say we're um, we're in a spiritual war at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think we are, 100%. Um, yeah. Who do you believe Jesus Christ was? Because obviously, well, you could, but do you believe he was a man that could walk on water, or do you believe he was something else? You know what? I think he, I, I lean right now towards him being more of a, like a, an Essene, an Essene healer, uh, like a coming from, uh, we, I recorded this, this book called The Mystical Life of Jesus, I think it was called, The Mystical Life of Jesus. And it talks about him being an Essene from basically like a secret society of healers back then. So he's more of a, he's more of like a mystic or like a Rosicrucian sort of mystic than a, than a, uh, than a savior. I, 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 I kind of lean towards that. I think he was real, but he was just more of a, he was more of a spiritual mystic than, than anything. but I, but I don't know. So it's, so it's another one of those things that like, you almost need full time to even go to, to even learn about some of these things, you know, you need, you need to, to write a book or need to go down so much research to even like, I, I really find like, I, I just skip the surface, skim the surface of so many different things, you know, maybe I can kind of put some things together from all the stuff I've researched, but I can't really go too deep on anything because then I don't have time to do the show. You know, it's, it's, it's a very strange thing. Cause I like to do a little bit of the show, but we're always talking to such a wide variety of guests that, it, and that's fascinating because I'm interested in all these different things, but, Man, to go down to any of these, like I still don't really know about the early parts of Christianity or the, you know, or the even the church and how that all split up. I mean, learning a little bit at a time here and there, but I can, I can't really, or even like the your first question about humanity. Like, I mean, I've just scratched the surface on all these different things, which, which might be okay, but it doesn't, you know, doesn't give me like in depth knowledge, you know. Mm. Yeah, because I found that when. You're doing things like what we're all doing on this um, podcast is just talking to people and learning more about the world. What you'll find is a lot of theories counter other theories. So you can't go down one and just keep traveling down. You'll go down one and it'll counter to another and flip you to another and flip you to another. And before you know it, you know a load of nothing, really. Because Yeah, exactly. Really and I try not to be dog. I try not to be dogmatic about much at all. Like, I really don't know. I mean, just I have these... Uh, thoughts and kind of a knowledge from people's theories but i really try not to hold any sort of dogmatic ideas you know some some overarching ones though for sure 
like the spiritual reality or like life after death or UFOs like that, you know, there's like overarching ideals I have, but you know, not any real dogmatic when it gets to the details of how things are. Yeah, I get it though, because how can you? Yeah, I, I don't feel like anyone can have, unless you know, you can't really, you don't know, right? Because you can only fantasize over what could be. And I guess what I like is the theories that are out there, but not too far from home. So you can sort of imagine them, but they are quite out there and a bit, a bit wacky and wild. Yeah, exactly. Like I saw this UFO in Israel 33 years ago. Uh, Tel Aviv. Uh, did, did I tell you guys about it last time? So, so I I was with a group of people. So we it was a it was a it was a multi-person sighting. They saw it twice. I saw it once. So I went up to the. We were staying in a rooftop hostel in Tel Aviv. I was traveling around the Middle East and Europe and stuff as a kid. I was twenty years old. So I came up to the top and they were all pointing up to the sky and they're yelling and screaming like, "Oh, what's that thing up there in the sky?" And I run over to them. And I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? And they're like, we just saw this UFO and it went like this and it did this turn. And I'm like, what? And I was so pissed off that I missed it, right? I, so I'm looking up and I'm like, please come back. Please come back. I want to see you too. I want to see you too. And then I spotted something and I'm like, is that it? And they're like, yeah, that's the same thing. And it was um, about a, a half moon or a three quarter moon. And this was shining. So there was no lights on it. It was just shining. It was an object flying silently through the sky and it was reflecting the moonlight. And it was like a, I have them out here. I haven't, it was like an icosahedron or a dodecahedron, like it, but it was split in half and the halves were rotating against themselves like that. And the whole thing was also rotating on an axis in a way, like, and it, and it was, so it was like a 20 sided dice or a 12 sided dice, or it just was a polygonal shape split in half rotating like this. It almost gave you the sense of a satellite, but it was like at about, a, a silver dollar or a loony at arm's length, uh, big, and it was silent and it was flying definitely in airspace. And they all saw it again. And, and I just went, it kept going slowly, slowly until it disappeared. And the only other time I've seen that shape, like I, I got into UFOs after coming back from that trip in the early nineties and the mid nineties. And I saw a sightings TV show program with, with this lady from Israel who saw the same thing. And that was the only, I mean, even up till now, um, there was, there's very little sightings of that shape of a thing, right? So what, so, but except for this other lady in Israel. So that's interesting. I mean, I didn't even put, maybe I did back then, but I don't remember if that was the same time as the one when I saw it or not. I wish I would remember that. So what is that, right? I don't still know. I don't know what it is. I don't have any real idea. Is it like ET? Is it some black project craft that's developed by some Israeli company? Is it some religious thing? Like who knows? It's sacred. It's also very like sacred geometry in a way. Like dodecahedron is one of the most powerful shapes. They say that it's they say it's the shape of the world, the world that the world's made of. So when you go into ancient wisdom on dodecahedron, it's like the the, the most powerful prevalent shape. All right, so, I mean, so all these different things, but I don't know what it is, but what do you think after, after you see something like that? Right. What, I mean, reality is just like completely different. And yet the two, I, a couple of years into the podcast, I, I tracked down the, the Kiwi girls, the New Zealand girls that were with us. And they just, they just, ah, just chalked it up to a couple of beer. Like they don't, they didn't even change their life. It did, they didn't even really affect them at all. Yet me and the English guy that I was with named David, 
David, uh, which I'd love to try. I tried to track him down. I can't find him anywhere because he's got the most common name in the world. Dave Miller, David Miller, I think. <laughs> like, I couldn't find him anywhere. I tried to track him down, but him and I both had a very profound experience. And, you know, we were working on a kibbutz together and we talked to the, you know, we told the, the guy that was running the kibbutz and he's just laughing at us like no such thing as those. And he's this like super religious guy. I don't know what, I don't even know what religion, I mean, and, uh, you know, so ridiculed from the religious people, ridiculed from the scientific people. Oh, you know, you, what was it? A mass hallucination? Like whatever the answer is, it doesn't even matter because it's so strange to whatever the, whether, whatever the answer is. Like, even if it was like a traditional, like, oh, it's a new satellite being flown up or like even like whatever most, the most mundane explanation is still super crazy. It still blows away our, our, our reality. What I find fascinating is uh, people like yourself who have had these experiences in the 90s. That's what you're talking like over 30 years ago now. And oh, God, that's 30 years. But what you've had that many years of believing in this. And then suddenly 2023, 2022 comes and they're like, boom, the UFOs are, are real. Like I've not obviously I can't say I've had that experience because I wasn't really here for much of the nineties anyway. But it must be a weird experience to be like because you would have gone through times doubting yourself, thinking, "Wait, am I actually crazy or not?" And then suddenly, uh, life um, a switch flicks, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, they're real." All these people that we've labeled as crazy over the last twenty years, they've actually uh, they might have had a point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, I went through the, all the, re, like a lot of the research in the nineties. And I mean, I did lose it for a time when I got, uh, you know, I was drinking too much. I was in a corporate job. I was traveling around all the time. I like, I lost my grip on like what I was truly interested in, you know? So I, I went down the UFO rabbit hole for a while and then I got sober in 2008. And then I, and then I kind of went back into all this stuff and, uh, you know, what was it that triggered you to come, come back? What triggered me? Uh, uh, being getting sober or the actual interest in Uf UFOs and stuff? Yeah, just, I mean, yeah, the from, well, from going into corporate way of living um, and then sort of flicking out of it into, yeah, UFOs and I guess yeah, the truth. I, I just, I just uh, well, I had, a, I had a pretty weird synchronicity actually with it. I'll, I'll tell it if you, if you don't mind. So I took this UFO course. And uh, it was a college course on UFOs in, in, in British Columbia in 1994, 95, 96, somewhere. Yeah, somewhere in there, right? I took this course. So after I got sober, I was kind of getting in, interested in the UFO subject again. And I think it had to do with sobriety as well. Like, I mean, I, I was... I was trying to find myself again. I was trying to be honest and, and truthful. And I was in recovery. I was like, like no more of this bullshit and lying to myself and others. So I was cleaning up my life spiritually, I guess you could say. So of course this stuff would sort of interest me. And, and I, uh, I was thinking back, I might've even found my binder. I can't remember if I found my binder from the course. So, and I started thinking about the teacher and I remember the teacher who it was and, and the teacher of this course, because this would have been like 14 years after. It seems like that was closer together than I remember, but um, it was the mid-90s. Now it's like 2008, 2009-ish. Thinking about the teacher, 
and I had started up my own painting company. I was going to like, that's what I was doing after getting sober. Like I got laid off from the corporate world. I was like, okay, I'm going to start my own painting company. Cause I used to paint way back when in the early nineties. And I enjoyed that to a certain extent, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll try doing it again. So I met this uh, Starbucks in North Vancouver. Like this was a day or two later. I was, sort of not obsessing, but I was definitely like had my mind on this course and the teacher. And I was listening to podcasts at the time, like rough podcasts. This is like blog talk radio. This was back when like it was podcast, super shitty quality. Like it wasn't really, you know, but there was lots of information back then even, right? Lots of information back then. I mean, even back then in 2007, 2008, you could listen to whatever you wanted for free and learn about anything. Anyways, I, uh, I go into the Starbucks and who do I bump into? The teacher is in the Starbucks. And I go and I look at him. I go, see, now I'm not, I can't even remember his name. Oh, I wish I could remember his name now. It might, maybe it'll come to me. I'm go, And I, I probably freaked him out because I'm like, you're, you're so-and-so. Do you remember me? Like, I was one of your students. I took your UFO course and I was just thinking about you the other day. Like I sort of thrown all this, this synchronicity. I mean, it's kind of like, backing away from me like who is this guy and i said are you still involved in ufos and all that like i was trying to like have a like, deeper conversation with him but i he was kind of like i think i honestly i threw him off and he said oh I, he said i just listened to ben grundy now i'm like what so i searched ben grundy and he's the host of mysterious universe who who then later on, I, uh, I, I, so I listened to his show, Mysterious Universe, um, and somehow that connected me with Mysterious Universe, and then I would, like, leave them voicemails and write in. And then when I moved to Calgary, like, that has a genesis story of how I started my podcast. I mean, I gave that podcast to Darren for Darren to listen to, and he got right into that because it was super good quality. It was, like, the, the best kind of, like, podcast out there about all that stuff. So I'm like, all right, you don't do, you're not into this. You're not teaching about UFOs anymore, but you just throw out this name, Ben Grundy to me. So yeah, that's, that's kind of, and I was talking about synchronicities because even in recovery, I remember writing my journal and writing notes in my book about synchronicities. I had a synchronicity in recovery about uh, Qigong. I, I was learning how to do, uh, they have a Qigong class in the morning. And I was, I took a while before I was like, I was reading this book called Eckhart Tolle, The New Earth, right? And I was like in recovery and I was reading it to the group and I was picking out phrases to read to them and stuff. I was just total geek in there. I was, I was but I finally decided to go to Qigong because I was so super, super tired when I got there. And I was like, okay, I'll go to Qigong. So I went to Qigong, I had this amazing class and the first Qigong class was just incredible. That night in the recovery group, I open up the book, A New Earth, and I look down, and the first word I spotted was Qigong. I'm like, how the fuck can I? So synchronicities were already happening, and I was already kind of making notes of them in 2008 or whatever. And then, uh, you know, then then it built up to, like, the one with the UFO teacher. It's kind of good to talk about it again. It's been a while since I've, like, laid it out in a story and it, it's 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 it sounds better than i remember it being you know yeah uh, do you, are you still seeing synchronicities now um or is that something you still look to identify yeah they yeah they happen um 
Yeah, I do, but they don't happen quite as much, I don't think. Uh, sometimes I go through these phases, and who knows if it's even like uh, the planetary alignments or some sort of solar thing, but I go through phases where I have a whole bunch of mini ones at once, you know, like I'll, I'll see the word from a song when I hear the, 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 the word come out, or like there's like just little mini ones that happen and like stretch and then and then I go through a gap where it doesn't really happen again but but I guess those big types of synchronicities haven't happened in a while mm. I guess you could look at it from a bit of an an experience point of view so you could train yourself to identify them more often because I'm, I'm guessing they happen more often than you think but you can be a bit inexperienced um, to identify them right yeah. And if you're not present, right. I mean, I was really working on being present and mindful. Like I was doing long mindfulness meditations for a while there. I was really sort of learning how to separate myself from my thoughts. And, and I think that was a key, that was a key as well is, is uh, if I'm just in my head and and distracted by all my negative thought patterns and all this stuff, what I'm not even going to notice the synchronicity. Right. So, you, you know, there's a certain, I think amount of awareness or, or, uh, uh, you know, being in the moment that needs to happen in order to even see this stuff. Yeah, because I guess, like, even if you're just journaling, for example, you're reflecting on your life and you're not just living, you're actually, you're thinking about your life more and you are sort of analysing your life a little bit more. So you're you're putting more into your mind for the synchronicities to sort of line up. Um, whereas some people literally just go to work, do their job, come home, go to sleep. But they don't really even think about what happened the day before because it's the same thing they do every day, I guess. Yeah. Mm. So I can't even remember what that was in answer to, but um, it was somewhere along the line about uh, about UFOs or, oh, yeah, how I got into the UFO thing, yeah. So, yeah, that, then that kind of, you know, that kind of just projected me into all this stuff, right, ancient mysteries and UFOs and, yeah. What did they teach you on a UFO course? Um, how to... Uh, I think they taught how, how everybody sees different things and stuff like they, and he talked about the history of UFOs going back to like, I guess, Roswell and stuff like that. And project blue book. I think he did like sort of a historical thing. And then he would, he would do exercises in the class. Like, okay, this is what happens and you all describe it. So everybody would describe it and you would see how people describe things differently. Right. They, you all saw the same thing, but everybody has a different way of describing it. So I think he would go around it's so weird thinking back to that now. I have the book. I have the book somewhere in storage. I, I should almost pull it out. But yeah, it's interesting that. Um, yeah, he would show show how investigations sort of would work and how how it's hard to investigate based on based on uh, just what like people's testimony and stuff like that. Mm. It's weird to think that they even did that course. Did he still I do know. that course now? No, I don't think so. I mean. Yeah, I don't think so. It must have been a weird time where I got, I got, uh, yeah, it almost feels surreal right now. What, would you say that's like before universities started being propaganda machines? No, I think this was a call. It was a community college. So I, I don't think it was part, it wasn't part of like a university system. It was like, uh, it was more of a college that was allowed to do their own thing like that. You know, I think it was just, it was just a matter of that. More well, like a hobby course rather than an actual academic yeah 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 did you do that course before you saw the ufo or after no it was after uh, it was probably okay. about four or five years after do you know 
I mean, coming a bit more to your current life, you do a lot of traveling to these uh, sacred locations. I think you mentioned on the last uh, podcast. Yeah, not too much, but a little bit. I mean, we went to Egypt with Ben, Ben Kirkwith, and the Brothers of the Serpent. Um, did that one, but I I haven't been to all around to like South America, South Africa, or South America, or you know anywhere else. Uh, I've done a lot of traveling, but I've done a lot of traveling even to the UK in the past, but not to, not necessarily from a sacred site uh, perspective. Ah, uh, so it was just Egypt where you went to the the uh, ancient sites, right? Yeah, because I remember last time you, was it, I don't know if it was you or Darren that said it seemed like the pyramids was a funnel water through. Which I thought was a, I've heard, well, I looked up, I, I was looking into it after we had the conversation. I've seen more and more people talking about the theory of it was either water or wind. It was to allow wind to come through, like it's set up for wind to come through. And it was a, like a sort of propeller for energy. Which I think is a really good, really good theory. Um, but I wanted, do you know much information about Aaron? What's the mountain called where they can't get to the top? Mount Kailash in Tibet. Oh, sorry, I missed it. You you broke up for a sec when you asked that. Uh, what about the mountain? Um, so this is a mountain in in Tibet called Mount Kailash. Cam just wants to know if you know anything about it. No, no, I don't think so. What, have, you heard, what, have you heard about it? No, I don't think so. Okay, so it is, it's this sacred mountain in Tibet where they say the energy on that mountain is too powerful and you can't, unable to climb it. But some people have climbed it, but have meditated their ways to the top. They had to meditate their way to the top? Yeah, so they'll like stop at each level and meditate and then move up to the next level and meditate and then move up. No, that sounds fascinating. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean Mount, Mount Kailash. It's called. I could believe it. Yeah, because people have said they've attempted to climb it, but then, apart from obviously the physical structure of the the mountain, they were saying that they because I mean today, like people can climb stuff that is with some of the like, tools that we've got for doing, I guess, crazy stuff. Uh, we should be able to get up it. But people are saying that even with all these tools, there's, it feels as if there's an energetic, like there's an energy around it, a force field around it, which is stopping people from managing to get up. And then the people that have managed to meditate their, their way up is sort of breaking that energy barrier. And then the, the, that part of the earth then is allowing them to, to enter it, in a sense. Yeah, I think in Hinduism, they believe that Shiva resides there is that the god of destruction yeah yeah interesting i wonder what that is if there's some artifact in there or if it's just uh yeah well no it's currently in chinese because tibet's part of china so it's chinese territory they don't let anybody even attempt climbing it or doing any excavation or exploring it at all but if you look at if you look at a mountain it looks like a structure that's been built you want to pull up a pit cam? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's fascinating. It it looks uh yeah, built literally. Wow, that's it? That's interesting. I mean it looks like it'd be hard to climb anyways. <laughs> uh yeah, it looks like you just slip straight down. 
I guess it's like a Shiva. No, Shiva. I think Tibet's fascinating too. I mean, that was also like what the theosophy uh, had a lot to to focus on in Tibet as well. It's uh, yeah, it's a really place fun. I'm really eager to go. I was looking at um, some hiking tracks there that take you around Kailash and through Tibet, through some of the villages. Um, it's something I think I'm going to do in the next couple of yeah, years. Yeah, that that's great. That would be awesome. Yeah. Do you know much about Atlantis or have any theories on Atlantis? Not, uh, I have some theories, I guess, or, or sort of like the ones that resonate with me, but, um, yeah, I'm not too sure if I have any specific theories. I mean, Randall thinks it's in the mid Atlantic Ridge, which is super interesting. And then we've had guests on that say it's in Egypt. And right, I've would... heard the theory that it's in. E oh, well, I've heard the theory that it's in Egypt. It's under the water. It's yeah, in Antarctica. But... I've heard the theory that it's in the Sahara Desert as well. Yeah, yeah. I think what I would say is, it sounds to me like it was a civilization, not a location. So it was more like, hey, this was Atlantis was sort of pre-catastrophe. So it was the last remaining like bit of the ancient uh, ancient advanced human technology and, and culture before the younger driest impact. I mean, if, if I was to stick with kind of like, what's the sort of the leave the most mainstream in there as well and add sort of the esoteric part of Atlantis, I, I, I would think that it was, uh, I think that's probably where I would resonate. It was like all over the world, maybe in Egypt and in North Atlantic as, or in the mid Atlantic as well. And maybe even in Sahara or wherever, it was an advanced culture all around the world, um, probably after Lemuria and Hyperborea. Like that could be even older than that, 50,000, 60,000 years, maybe, maybe hundreds of thousands. And then Atlantis was the latest after, sorry, but just before the, the cataclysm that now is looking like it really happened like 12,800 years ago or the what Hancock and Carlson talk about, like, you know, and and then there was some wisdom teachers that made it through, and they brought the ancient wisdom to all these peoples in, you know, India, Egypt. Um, yeah, that have spread out sort of around the globe in different areas. You know yeah. much about Plato's writing on it, because he's mentioned. Not really. I mean, I've read, I've read it and stuff, narrated a bunch of it. Um, you know, it kind of fits. I think it fits with that. You know, it fits the timing, fits with it. Um, yeah. It's it's uh, it's it's pretty fascinating because uh, it's, you know, why isn't some of that, why isn't some of the tools and technology around, you know, or has it just been hidden? Like, has it been hidden so well that we just haven't found it yet? Like, why isn't there more, you know, more found, you know? Yeah, well, there's a, there's a theory, right, where the knowledge that they had in Atlantis when the sort of chaos erupted spread out around different parts of the globe, um, Egypt or India. And then, I guess, over, I mean, you've got like um, different civilizations which came in the, in the future. They sort of um, suppressed that information and kept it within the civilization for the civilization to, to grow. And then, I mean, to bring it towards modern day, it said that the people of Atlantis, 
the, the ones that were left um, went to, obviously, there were a lot of them were in India. And then when the Nazi Germany tried to sort of take over, they took a lot of that knowledge from India into Nazi Germany. But then, obviously, the US saw... Uh, so now you're talking about Atlantis people being Nazis. And then the the US sort of saw them Nazis there and then took them to the US for the, um, I guess, the civilization that we see today. Yeah, I, I yeah, I like that. I like that. I think that's interesting. And I, but I also been thinking about the, uh, the secret societies from thousands of years ago. You know, maybe they've. I've even sort of started to think recently that they might even be responsible for a lot of the UFO phenomena. Like the, the, the um, we know there's a breakaway. So I'm pretty sure there's a breakaway civilization now flying around. It's not just all ETs and interdimensional stuff. There's a bunch of crafts being flown around by humans. Now. I'm starting to think, why aren't those just the ancient society, the ancient secret societies that have sort of kept stuff hidden from the rest of us, you know, uh, maybe for thousands of years, technologies and wisdom, whatever, and spiritual, spiritual realities as well. And they've just, now they've sort of uh, evolved or migrated into the modern, you know, they would, they would, it might not even be modern until we began, we began, you know, making better metals and stuff like that. Like who knows if, if they used to be responsible for certain phenomena in the 500 years ago, a thousand years ago. And then, it, and then whenever we grow technologically, they sort of harvest a lot of that technology and keep it to themselves anyways, you know, um, it just might have a lineage that goes back way further than we thought. It's not just a, an organization that popped up in the late 1800s with the airships. It's been around and it's just because it's been around for so long, it's you're able to, to keep absconding this technology to use for your secret society. I mean, I also think there's the ancient wisdom, you know, these uh, masters that like the theosophists talk about and, and especially from, from India the Mahatmas, you know, they can visit, they can visit us through the invisible realm, right? They can interact with us through the invisible realm. I mean, I really do. I really start to think like, if all that's real, which I believe it is, then why isn't there still this, this group of Mahatmas that can present themselves as all kinds of phenomena? How do we even know what's real, right? If, if humans have the power and I believe they do and the capability to do these things, who knows what's, what's ET or interdimensional or inner earth or, you know, when it could be just a bunch of Mahatmas in a, in a cave in Tibet, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the middle of that mountain in Tibet, you know? Shit, yeah, that's so true. It could be a possibility that, I mean, it's hard to put all the pieces of the puzzle together from what we're told and what we're trying to work out. But you've got like Elon Musk, for example, who's putting all of his cards down into getting to Mars, right? You've got Jeff Bezos that wants to get to Mars. Like, they obviously know something, and you, they can use the excuse that the Earth might not be livable in however many years because of climate change, but do with that as you please. But it could... I mean, so many people have said that Elon Musk gives off alien vibes, so it, it could be that they are in communication with these people and they are getting the blueprints from these people but there's obviously not enough space on the ship or not enough space for the whole of everyone on the globe. 
And I, mean, I don't know if I don't know if Elon's a part of that though. I, I don't know if Elon is uh, like he might not be read in on all that, you know? Because when he was on Rogan and he's talking about rockets and I'm like Elon, don't you even uh, you must? And he, I think UFOs got brought up and he just kind of sloughed it off. And I'm like Elon, are you really that naive that you don't even understand the modern UFO phenomenon? I'm like, come on, dude! Like, there's so much fucking evidence now. So he's either doing a really good job at lying about all this just not being real, but he comes across pretty genuine. I feel like he he was genuine about it. He just doesn't believe or know that there's this technology. Like, what if they just let him and Bezos do their thing in the open? And we all think, oh, yeah, well, we're trying to get to Mars. Meanwhile, they're fucking flying around in their black triangles to the moon and back or wherever they want in the universe. Somebody's flying around things that that are defying the laws of physics and gravity and it's not just ets it's humans they can go wherever they want so elon just doesn't seem like he's allowed to to participate in that unless he's doing a really good job at acting and lying it's hard for someone like him to do a good job of lying when he's so i mean he's, he's, exactly he's active all day online yeah he but he but he also says real stupid stuff. So you're like, well, he's not, you know, it's, he seems legit because he's such a good troll too. Right. So, you know, you know what I mean? I get the sense that he's, he's almost, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's almost like a, uh, they're using him in a way. Yeah. He's a destruction. Yeah. Yeah. A controlled distraction, you know. Do you ever think about the theory that these um, UFOs are we call them UAPs these days? I think um, are time travelers. Yeah, yeah, I thought about that a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. I have a hard time with the time travel thing, but but I mean, even some of the the T we had an interview with a guy who wrote the book on T Towns and Brown, and and it, it does sort of put time travel into a bit of a bit of a, an easier perspective to understand if you're pulling he describes it as like it's not sort of anti-gravity it's um it's uh it's not reverse gravity it's like it's like you're reaching through to somewhere in space time and pulling it towards you like it's like it's like there's a rope attached through the middle of it. So there's like these polarization points and there's a rope attached through the middle. And it's not like you're pulling all this slack. It's like when you pull the rope, the top comes down as well. So you're pulling that space time towards you. So in that regard, time does seem malleable or different, right? If you're if you're able to sort of not travel through past the speed of light, but pull space and time towards you. It's pretty fascinating. And this is back in the 1930s, right? He was looking at all this stuff. Like, you know, where did where did Brown's technology go? You know? Yeah, it's all just been written and off and we've just and, gone down a path. Of- yeah. yeah. And he was part of, he was on the, the, the he was on uh, NICAP with the author I talked about uh, with, um, what's his name? The Saucer's Real, Donald Kehoe. And CIA and CIA guys on that on that. So like, they're what were they doing there? Like, Brown's totally interested in anti gravity. He's made all these inventions, and then they're on this. He was the board. He was the chairman of the board, I think, of of NICAP in 
1953. And they're watching all these civilian organizations study UFOs and they're tracking the UFOs. And yeah, I don't know. It's very, very strange. Yeah. It's, um, with, with the CIA, they, oh, I forgot what it was. Who, do, do you know who it was that created the CIA? Well, in 47, after Roswell, right, a couple months after Roswell, it was created. And wasn't it Dulles, uh, either Alan Dulles or maybe his brother or... From the, from the, I think it was from the OSI. Check, yeah, I think it was, I think it might have been Dulles. Yeah, so it was created as a, um, well, it's an intelligence, uh, intelligence agency. But there was something that I was listening to the other day where it was what it was actually created it for. And it was to obviously harness the information that. Are you still there? Yep. yep. Yeah. The information yeah, that's, that's out there and what we're listening to and what we're believing. That's exactly, that's what I'm trying, that's what I'm sort of coming to realize is that they were not just created out of nothing. I think they became, they were the OSI, weren't they before? Uh, uh, something along the lines, yeah. I'm quite new to so the OSS, into it. OSS or OSI and, and they became the CIA. And that's what I'm starting to think. And it has to do with the occult reality that they figured out back in the early 1930s, 40s. They're like, this is, there's like a greater reality. We need to fucking protect ourselves from the people that will learn about this reality. Exactly. This is yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So do, do you know much about Project MK Ultra? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's, that's, that's part of that, that whole thing. They're realizing all that. I mean, they're, and there's, you know, the even in the 30s, the Nazis were giving people psilocybin, and then they brought a lot of that that Nazi experimentation with different types of hallucinogens into into research with MK Ultra, different programs with that, and that and that's all part of it as well. Learning about how how we're going to react to certain information and in certain situations. Yeah, they'll, they'll they'll never they'll never legalize them them drugs because of what it will open the mind to think well they might they might they might do it under under uh under restriction from having to do it with official government uh people that's what I, i'm worried about they're gonna they're gonna take it away from you organically using it with sort of shaman types and and they're gonna make it they're gonna make it very clinical you know, yeah, you can, you can use it, you can use it, but you got to come to the clinic and sit on a couch with somebody. Yeah, and that's scary as shit, right? Because you don't know how they're going to manipulate you. Because they'll, they'll use it as a tool to manipulate your mind rather than to build. Very yeah, much I, was, I was listening to Graham Hancock talk about ayahuasca, and he said, once you take it, it lets down all the guards in your mind so people can easily penetrate like your energies and your mind and start manipulating you through your spirit, like, Spiritually wow. manipulating you. Wow, that's interesting. So if they do start bringing it into like clinical environments, you're opening yourself up to pure manipulation by someone who you can't necessarily trust. Because he was saying he went for an to an ayahuasca retreat with his wife, and there was a powerful shaman there, 
who was sucking the energies out of people in the retreat and everybody was complaining about this person because once he took the ayahuasca, it felt like their energy was being sucked away. And the guy looking after everybody in the retreat, that everyone was complaining to him and he ended up sending the shaman home and the shaman admitted on his, when he was leaving, he said, I go around to different ayahuasca places and I, I, I steal people's energies. That's what I do. Well, I can imagine that, eh? And what does he see? Is that evil? I mean, you know, that's got to be evil, right? I mean. Well, yeah, you're interfering with someone. Well, you're stealing someone's energy. Something, yeah. Right, it's, that's a bit different than stealing a watch off someone on their phone. Yeah, it does. It does sound like they're going to make psychedelics clinical just from the articles and the research they're doing already. They're saying oh, it's to help mental health. Doctors can prescribe it or doctors may be able to prescribe it in the future. So it's going to go down that path and further away from where it should be. Yeah. Yeah. In a community with a shaman. You know, helping you, helping you in the invisible realm, taking care of you, holding space for you, all that, all that stuff that, yeah. You have uh, much experience with psychedelics. No, I haven't done, I haven't done them in, uh, uh, geez, I don't know how long, maybe 20 years, 15, 20 years, but I've, I've done, you know, LSD and mushrooms and, uh, ecstasy and like, so I guess MDMA and, uh, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I haven't done ayahuasca. Haven't done straight up DMT or any of those other other sort of more rare and and uh, extreme ones. Just the basics, and and I wasn't doing it with a lot of reverence. I was just partying way too much, and you know what I mean. It was a waste. It wasn't I wasn't using it properly. There's something I've been thinking about this year. So, uh, me and Cam we gave up drinking at the start of the year. Oh, good! Congratulations. Okay. Um. And I've just been thinking about like we go drinking and recreational drugs and everything. So I've just been like completely sober this year, not been out of wow. my business once. Um, Good for you. Wow. But I was thinking next year I might start experimenting with drugs to sort of enhance my mind rather yeah. than just for yeah. partying and having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, if I wasn't 15 and a half years sober, I would do that probably. You know, I've, I've just built up a, sort of a pretty comfortable path without that. But if I was early in sobriety again, uh, I would probably use uh, psychedelics this time, you know, for, for that type of, for that type of purpose. And I would have way more reverence and really take care of this, the set and setting and do it with, with people properly. And yeah, not just in a party and atmosphere. I would, I would probably do that. But now I just, I don't want to, I don't want to even mess with it right now because it's been so long and, and, uh, 15 and a half years, is a long time. No, and me, I'd be like, okay, when are we doing mushrooms again? You know, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> I, just, I wouldn't be able to wait till I'm doing it again. You know, fucking, when are we doing mushrooms? I mean, that's, I got such addictive personality and just like every Friday I want to do mushrooms and then I'd be looking for too much. Right. I mean, yeah, I've made, I've done a lot of work and it's, and it's working. So I don't want to, I don't want to, take myself off but if i was i've thought about that even like five years ago i was like if i was early on i'd probably do ayahuasca or mushrooms or something yeah or even weed as well right i mean a lot of people smoke it recreationally but you can smoke it to like sort of listen to yourself a bit more and connect yourself to it but 
Um, it's not got really that. It's not really got that. Um, like that. That's not seen. Like that's not attached to it. It's more because so many people do it recreationally. It's not seen as something that could actually help. Yeah, we did a great show with somebody a few years back now, and it was about the spiritual use of cannabis, you know, really taking it. You can't use it every day, all day kind of stuff. Like you, you're better off using it, whatever, once a week in ceremony or in some sort of like with reverence and, and same thing. And, and you get a lot more out of it using it that and not abusing. I was listening to someone talking about weed and they're saying it's been so manipulated and um, manufactured uh, I think manufactured, I can't remember engineered exactly. Engineered, engineered, engineered that's the word, modified, yeah. So it's got so much THC on it now, it's out of balance to what it's supposed to do. That's interesting, yeah. I, that that makes sense, you know, in some way. You're just smoking it naturally, you get something, but now it's like it's like a hard drug now. It's become almost a hard drug. I can't even imagine. I used to have to be careful. Like, I used to have to keep it to, like, two hoots if otherwise uh, – especially if I was drinking, otherwise I'd just be way too fucked up. And that was back then, like 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago. I can't imagine now. That'd be a write-off. I wouldn't be able to handle it at all. Well, has it been uh, modified like through the illegal market by people just trying to make the best, strongest stuff, or has it been modified in the legal market as well? Uh, both. I think the legal market's made it worse in California. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, yeah. Because now they're putting the percentages on there and all that. I mean, geez, we used to take whatever we could get. Now they're like, you, it's all tailored to different percentages and sativa. Oh, it's still and, illegal in UK. But we went to Amsterdam last year, I think it was, or a year before maybe. And, and yeah, because it's legal over there, I felt like it wasn't as strong as it, the illegal stuff is over here. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Huh. I don't know. So is it going to get legal there sooner? Mm, I don't I think, think so. Rishi Sunak's got bigger, bigger fish to fry. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going over there? You guys like it over there? Uh, less and less as time progresses. Yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah, I try to stay positive, but it's a bit difficult when. Uh... They're trying to push the 15 minute cities a lot. Yeah. And obviously, when the central digital currency is coming, that's when. Yeah. Might get I guess it's similar in Canada, right? Yeah, it's, uh, well, yeah, similar, but it's so, it's different because we're so spread out and we don't have the same um, facility to active activism and stuff. Like, you know, you guys, uh, you know, in our big cities we do, but we're so spread out, right? So. I feel like you guys can organize and get together a little bit easier than we can. But um, I found my UK citizenship the other day. So I do have, I have my UK citizenship, but I don't have a passport. But I don't know like what that would, you know, if I would be able to like come over there and work or something, or if that would, uh, you know, I don't know how I would go from that to a passport, but I should probably, should probably look into that just to have a, you know, just do that to have another passport. My mom yeah, did you was, say you should have more than one passport? Yeah, my, exactly. I actually got to fucking renew my Canadian one too before they throw more mandates or something at us. Yeah, but it's hard. It's getting hard to. It's getting hard to afford to live. Like I mean, it's it's the inflation is not what they say it is. It's so fucking everything is so fucking expensive now. It's 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 really tough. Like it's really, yeah. 
I'd say my weekly shopping this past year and a half has doubled. Yeah, exactly. Doubled, not just 5% or 10% like they say, like literally doubled. Yeah. And it's on the verge of literally, if inflation keeps going, it's going to be unlivable for, it was really yeah. unlivable now for so many people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard because we're stuck with these creature comforts now. Like, how do you, what do you do? Get rid of the internet connection? I mean, that's, you know, that's a lot of the way a lot of people work or a lot of people com communicate. So you need a certain amount of stuff now just to live a productive life. But what do you start cutting back on? Yeah. What, what do you think about um, like a break-off society? Yeah, I mean, that would be parallel. I mean, that's I think that's the only way out in a lot of ways is a parallel system, parallel society, you know? I really feel like we're being split. I really feel like we're being split between, and this is probably an old, old battle. That's the other thing I've started to realize. Like this battle for freedom has been ancient, you know? It's like, the, it's like it, that might even be always there. It might even be part of our human nature is a battle for freedom. People that want to control and people that want to be left alone, you know, but how do the people that want to be left alone win that battle when you want to leave others alone, right? It's a, it's a, there's a weird dichotomy there. Like, I don't want to control you. So I, I don't want to go on the offensive and, and even control you for my own freedom because that's not right. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, wanna, the, that's wanna, fighting fire with fire, right? against yeah. what you want by trying to yeah so then so then our we're our like us as just as in people let's just say people that want sort of some freedom you know they they don't want to be like how do we ever gain it because we don't want to be bothering other people like we don't want to be telling them what to do so even just leave us alone it is like so i think that the world's kind of splitting right now they're not letting us see it but there's a lot of people that just want freedom and to be left alone and there's other people that want to control it for the greater good and all that and like when is that real split going to happen like something is going to happen it's going to boil over at some point right i mean they're still pushing from the un the wef the at all these levels they're still pushing for that how close do you think we are to that day i don't i don't know i i think uh sometimes i think it's like a year or two and then sometimes i think this is where when we look back this will be a long stretch from you know, like let's say COVID uh, 20 or 30 years and it'll be this, this thing, it'll be called something, you know, it'll be even more than world war three, you know, it'll be like the, the division, almost like a BC, like a before Christ, you know, it'll be that, like it'll be a map where this happened, like 2020 was this point in time and everything changed after that. And it'll be like a 20, 30, 40, 50. I mean, if you look at some of these wars in Europe, like, what was the hundred year war even between, was that between France and England or the, like there was, you know, but they weren't calling it that at the time. Yeah. They were just in it. Right. I think we're going to look back and realize like this was a huge, like the internet started up, all this stuff happened and there was a, this huge shift in humanity. So I think it's going to be longer than we think. Unless they do something to provoke everybody way more than they are right now. So it's just, this is like a long, slow kind of, uh, a wake up call for a lot of people and maybe this new conflict in the middle east will will help uh, push push people one way or another but that seems to be splitting everybody in, in a you know we we're kind of going like this now it's like they just threw a big wedge across the other way you know horizontally across across everybody so now they're split into four or five different groups instead of two i mean it really was perfect timing yeah because you're noticing people who before say there was a left and the right you're noticing people on the right 
on the left. Some of them are agreeing with each other. That's that's what I mean. Exactly. Yeah. Created a whole shift now. Yeah. And even the even the, like sort of the wokesters that were going, you know, for COVID mandates and and trans ideologies and all that, they're all of a sudden now going to see that the mainstream media is not with them on this one. Like, why are the why why is the system that was supporting us before not supporting us on this thing? Like, there's going to be some very weird shifts now, especially if it accelerates like it seems to be, where other countries are getting involved. And yeah, what do you guys think of all that? No, it's pretty crazy. Well, when did it happen? Saturday morning? Saturday morning, morning, yeah. 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 So it's still it pretty seems slack. to be escalating fast. And what are they saying? Russia, China, and Saudi are back in Palestine? Oh, wow. I didn't I didn't know that. But yeah, that, that, that kind of makes sense. Like, that, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. That seems to be how it would land, right? Yeah. yeah. It does seem like the world is being split from what these BRICS nations and the nations controlled by the WEF, like that, like yeah. the Western nations. Exactly. The multipolar from the versus the unipolar kind of. Yeah. So you can see that, that splitting yeah. more and more. Yeah. And I don't know if that equals the split I was talking about. Like, of course, the optimism, the optimistic point would be, oh, the BRICS want freedom. And the, the, but, you know, are they just as bad? Is their tyranny going to be just as bad as the unipolar WEF world? You know, I mean, I, we don't really know, but it's it's you're right now. It's kind of like the enemy of your enemy seems to be your friend. But is it, you know, it's. Well, that, that's like the biggest problem with it, right? Because you start trusting those you you naturally will look to trust that and yeah that can be chaos exactly <laughs> but like what if we're not really given much choice we don't really have any options here we've got yeah, exactly. limited options exactly yeah um but yeah what you're saying about a division within a division within a division yeah i feel like over the next five years i mean there's there's all this stuff going on about 2030 right seems to be a big a big year for a lot of stuff and it seems like between now and then, what, seven years, we're just going to get more and more and more and more divides. And then we're going to see what the grand finale is. Um, but even with the breakaway civilization, right? I, I, I love the idea of it, but in in reality, it might be good for a few years until it gets infiltrated by people who look at it and think, oh, there's a breakaway society. And then they come over because they think it's sexy, it's new, it's a novelty. And then sooner or later, it's just going to be ridden again, probably a lot faster than it gets created. I know it's so, it's so weird. It's almost like it almost comes back down again. And I, I hate to even say this, but it almost comes back down to just being a spiritual thing. Like you almost have to be okay to accept whatever's happening in a way, because they, it's almost like an eternal battle in a way. Like, like you say, if you ever, whatever we kind of do, there's never any guarantees in life, you know, there's never any guarantees that, uh, you know, you won't end up dead on the road tomorrow from a car or whatever, whatever it is. So like, you, let's be okay with what's going on right now. Like it almost comes back to that spiritual kind of wisdom, you know, the, the, the sort of practice of just sort of enjoying the journey and not having to try and get to somewhere that you think is going to make you happy. Cause that could not exist. Yeah, exactly. When you get there, you'll be like, what, this isn't what I expected. Yeah. But you know the journey exists, so yeah, love the journey. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And if you take that sort of mindset towards it, anything that comes your way, yeah, you're just going to be able to handle it. Yeah, 
you just like whatever right this is the journey i'll i'll deal yeah. with it yeah exactly and that's that's kind of where i'm i'm at lately it's probably a good place to sort of finish it off but that's kind of where i've I've come to lately like i even commented on a post the other day i was like well my goal is to be okay wherever i'm you know? mm. whatever resources you have or whatever just just try and be okay with it yeah yeah expectations only lead to disappointments yeah there are resentments under construction mm. <laughs> oh nice yeah yeah well thanks Ray. Yeah. Yeah, thank amazing yeah. yeah thanks for having me on thanks for coming down for part two yeah, no problem. Yeah. Good speaking to you. <laughs> yeah, you too. <laughs> we'll uh, catch you later then. Thanks a lot. Okay. Take yeah, care. guys. Bye, See you later. Guys. Bye,